Hello, I'm Alex Zane, film journalist, movie fan, and your host for a trip to the movies. I'm currently in our podcast studio, a mile beneath the streets of London, and in a moment, my guest this week, the brilliant writer and director Brian Duffield, will be taking us on his perfect night out at the cinema. Thank you for downloading the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Odeon. And if you've been to watch a film at Odeon lately, you'll know that nothing beats that cinematic feeling. It's not just about stuffing your face with delicious popcorn, although let's be honest, that helps. It's your hair standing on end, your palms sweating, and being transported somewhere magical. It's feeling every footstep of some giant lumbering monster. It's car chasers, space battles, and your heart beating out of your chest. It's about feeling cinematic, and nobody does that better than Odeon. Head to odeon.co.uk or download their app to book your next adventure today. And if you'd like a pair of free tickets to head to your nearest Odeon, stick around after the interview and I'll tell you how you can get your hands on some. Also, if you would like to watch today's interview in glorious Technicolor, do head over to our YouTube channel and please, while you're there, hit subscribe and help us grow the pod into a giant temple of film. The video for each interview goes up on the Friday after the pod is released. For all the latest updates and to get in touch, you'll find us at Trip to Movies Pod. That's at Trip to Movies Pod on all social media. Right then, time to introduce today's guest, who I interviewed just yesterday on Zoom. So if you're ready, let's do this. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, where each week a special guest takes us on their perfect night out at the cinema. This week we are joined by a brilliant writer and director. His script CV includes the wonderfully fun slasher The Babysitter, Bottom of the Sea Sci-Fi Underwater, The Divergent series and the excellent Love and Monsters. He's now returning to the director's chair for the second time following 2020 Spontaneous with the fantastic Alien Home Invasion flick. No One Will Save You, hitting screens on September the 22nd. Here to tell us all about that and take us on his perfect night at the movies, it's the super talented Brian Duffield. Brian, wonderful to have you on the show. I'm very excited about this. I'm a big, big fan of your writing. Uh, I also loved, I know you produced it, Cocaine Bear. So this is a real pleasure for me. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Really good. Um, I very much enjoyed watching your latest feature as well. No one will save you. Um, so I'll just set the scene. Where when this goes out, we're going to be a couple of days away from the 22nd of September when it hits screens on Hulu in the US and Disney Plus here in the UK. Uh, how excited are you for audience to to see um, your second outing as writer and director? Uh, yeah, I'm excited for it to be out there for people to see it and uh i can i can stop talking about it and it's just there <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't be bored already of talking about it have you been have you been not, busy it's it's um not bored it's like it's uh, there's a lot of like uh dancing around not talking about certain parts of 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 the movie and so it's it's it'll be nice when everyone everyone's on the same page um, about what the movie is. <laughs> okay, you it, just in case I put my big fat foot in it and reveal something that isn't to be revealed, just give me a look and I'll shut up. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I do not want to ruin it. I, I walked in knowing very, very little about it, only the bare bones of it, and uh, and it was just a it was a great experience. Um, oh, good. So what, what I'm going to hand it over to you. Why don't you tell me what what the film is about? Sure. No One Will Save You is about a young uh, woman played by Caitlin Deaver, who is a uh, little bit of a recluse, has kind of uh, manicured her existence in a very specific way uh, to avoid her local town at all, all costs, um, but is living a pretty quiet and happy life when... Um, uh, a few minutes into the movie, an alien walks in her front door, and then it all goes to hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think am, I, I, am I allowed to swear on this show? I never, yeah, yeah, I never yeah, know. That's, that's okay, fine. Cool. Yeah, I know hell doesn't count, but <laughs> hey, I'm, if you if you'd edited yourself to heck, I, I'd be like, you don't need to do that. Uh, that's there you it. go. <laughs> it all goes to heck. Um, yeah, uh, eight minutes in, I counted uh, when the alien walks oh, in cool. the door. Yeah. Um, so tell me. Tell me where the idea came from. Is this something that's been percolating for a while in your head, or is it was there, is it a, a lightning strike moment where you came up with this? 
It was it was kind of two different things that I, I married together. I, I had the character of, of Bryn for a while that I was trying to figure out what to do with. And then I had um, the idea of, of starting an alien invasion movie like, like this, you know, kind of eight minutes in. Um, and then uh, kind of realized, for whatever reason, that they complemented each other in an interesting, unexpected way. And then they kind of got married in my brain. Um, and then, and then it went, I wrote it really fast, um, once that happened, but then, uh, right as we were starting to put it together, COVID hit. So then we kind of got paused for a couple of years. Um, and then, uh, in 21, we got going again or 22. I can't, I can't remember. Um, it's all a blur now, but, uh, yeah, we tried to bury all that. We're just like, just let's never mention that I know. word again. Yeah, it was, it was, I, I did. Um, I, I did a, a Netflix animated show, Cocaine Bear, and this all in a row. Uh, so it was it was a very intense couple of years, and so I've been on big uh, strike strike nap time uh, for the last <laughs> four months, I guess. So I'm almost human again. So when you say you wrote this quickly, what's quickly for you? How 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 quick is quick? Uh. <laughs> Like a, probably like a month, month and a half. I'm I'm slower than I used to be when I was younger because I have a family now. <laughs> and I don't I don't pull the all nighters like I I used to be able to do. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was um, it was it was pretty it was pretty fast. I was I remember I was forever waiting for my other movie uh to come out, and so I was writing a lot because I was desperate to get another job but then no one would hire me until the movie came out um and so it was it was a a lot of uh a lot of furiously writing and trying to um figure out what to do with my life (laughs) (laughs) and to have something ready i guess once the movie landed you can go and here's this and this and this i've got all this for you guys yeah and then and but then it then covid hit and and the movie came out in the middle of covid so it was it was a very weird uh very weird time i know the movie this movie is coming out in the middle of us double strike so i i've made i've gotten my lot in life (laughs) yeah 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 how is it how is it out there it sucks (laughs) i mean it's such a bummer that you know caitlin is the whole movie um and she's not able to do press right now because she's standing with her union which is i support fully um and but it's still it's you know she's as you if you've seen the movie you know how hard She's worked on this movie. Oh, yeah. uh, she's a producer on the movie too, and so it's 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 and she's much better at uh, being the face of the movie than than this old nerd. Uh, <laughs> so it's a bummer not to have her, but uh, I think people can can see how great she is in the movie. But yeah, I, I mean, hopefully this stuff wraps up soon and they give us everything we're asking for because it's not a lot. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's mad and it's um, it's infuriating. Uh, and uh, I absolutely hope um, you get what you want, both the actors and the writers. Um, yeah. Let's go back to No One Will Save You. It's a movie that knows it's sci-fi. So obviously that's come from yourself. Were you a sci-fi fan growing up? Is this a genre that you, you enjoyed as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, big. Yeah, hard, hardcore. Yeah, I was a huge and am a huge nerd. I mean... Jurassic Park was the big nuclear bomb in my brain. But even beyond that, there was the original King Kong and Raiders and Star Trek, specifically the next generation when I was growing up. Um, and then, yeah, I just loved, I couldn't get enough of all, all like even uh, both movies, books, all that nerdy. Nothing's changed. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, there's, yeah. there's, there's so much in here. It's, it's, I'm not going to lie. I I needed a lie down afterwards. I needed a, a real moment because it is an intense 95 minutes. It does not let up. And like five of those are credits. Five of those are credits, yeah. <laughs> five of those, I was really I uh I one of my big uh failings, I think, is I really wanted the movie to be under 90 minutes and i think we got to like 87 or 86 or 87 and then the credits were so long contractually because of like how the distance 
or how long everything has to be on screen that it went over. And it was such a like heartbreak when I had my runtime and I was just like 87, like people are going to click that shit. Um, <laughs> and then when the credits came in and I was like, can't the credits, cause I, I thought I was going to do a, uh, you know, like when the credits are all on like one card kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, no, 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 can, we have to for union and all these different things have it be this way. And then I was just like, oh, no, I, I could have cut two more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have. I mean, we cut we cut this thing hard. But um, I was I, every time it says like 93 or whatever, I'm always just like, it's really 87. But what are you going to do? <laughs> well, I'm, even at 87 minutes, though, I mean, it's relentless. Like how how challenging is it to sustain that level of tension for 87 minutes? It's, it was a lot of. Um, Pushing and pulling because I think sometimes you could cut it too hard and uh, it just feels um, like an art installation. Like you're not part of the experience. You're just kind of watching everything happen instead of being inside of it with with Bryn. So that was a really fun thing that Gabe Fleming, my editor, um, and I worked on a lot was always wanting it to be really relentless. But then trying to figure out the space where, look, we're lucky enough that we have Deaver. Um, and give her the room to be Caitlin Deaver, <laughs> you know, and to show every show off what she can do. Um, and some trying to make it feel like she's not like a rag doll that we're just throwing around and could be any any actor. It's you know, it's it's special that it's Caitlin. And so I think it was figuring out how to make it relentless that you were really um, holding Caitlin's hand in the movie and not just watching this thing bounce around on screen. I mean, I, I loved her. I, I loved her. I think I first came across her in, in Dope Sick. I thought she was absolutely fantastic yeah. in, oh, in, yeah. that, in that miniseries. Here, she's a phenomenon. I mean, it's like, it's yeah. it's incredible, like the amount of empathy and uh, and the understanding you have for that character. Not that you would do this, but you could almost take the aliens out and and have a, a fascinate, which is, I guess, what you were saying about originally. She she was in another. Yeah, movie. no, I think that is what all genre movies that work need to kind of be able to do. <laughs> you know, like I, I think you know my favorite genre movies. You could like I would have watched ET without ET. Um, <laughs> you know, like that watching that family, like that the, that that first fifteen minutes with that family and dads in Mexico and everything. I'm like, Oh, I'm all in. And then you add the alien and it's, it's great. Um, and so I think that for me is, is the hope and the goal is like, you know, would I have booked Caitlin Deaver to do this character? If it was the Sundance indie drama about this, this girl with this, uh, troubled past kind of thing. I, I like to think probably cause Caitlin, I think really, she loved the alien and everything, but she really loved the character. And I think that's, to me, the markings of a good genre movie where if you can take them out of science fiction and live with them in any genre, you're usually doing okay, I think. Uh, you've mentioned the aliens. Uh, and what I, what I love about this is we can talk about the aliens because this is not a, is it aliens or is it something else? Is it in our head? No. It's like, <laughs> oh, these are fucking aliens and here's one yeah. right now. And. Um, so you, the greys, it's it's your sort of it's your classic alien, the one that we know when we think aliens. We're like, oh, the greys. Were there conversations that you had about whether you were going to do that or whether you were going to do something new with the aliens, something different? I always wanted to start with the the grey for sure because I I just felt like it was um it's one of my favorite creature designs because it's you know weirdly based on fact yeah. um or at least based on you know the uh, the accounts. Um, in Roswell and whatever. Um, but then I just felt like, you know, we get like a dozen alien movies a, a year. Um, and, and they're great. Like I love the little dudes in landscape with invisible hand. Um, and, uh, Jules is really cool. Like, you know, there's so many cool ones even this year, but I was just like, I, I felt like I was being deprived of the, the daddy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, so it was, I always want to start there. Cause I also thought it gave the audience a really great opportunity that Caitlin and the audience, five minutes in the movie, you see a glimpse of it and everyone goes, it's an alien on the same page done. We're not, it's not a home and it's not an intruder or it's an intruder, but it's not a human intruder. Um, and you're not like wondering if it's like a mutant or anything. It's like, this is it. And then we can add, bonus features we can add subspecies we can do all that kind of stuff but it was like it was a really nice way to just cut to the cut to the chase get everyone on the same page we're in the movie together kind of thing 
Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not touching the subspecies thing because I think that is a spoiler. So I'm gonna I'm gonna park because okay. <laughs> I, I I do I do love what you've done with that. And I also love how sinister they are because like these are aliens with a plan. And like yeah. uh, you know, they're not like the aliens from Signs, which invade a planet that's seventy percent water and allergic to water. And I say that with a lot of love for Signs, by the way. I love Signs, yeah, it's great. But these these aliens, the way they communicate, the sound design on this movie, oh, it's incredible. And uh, and also the the score as well. I mean, the whole thing. It was really important to us that we just made them feel like they were smart enough to build a ship that could get them here. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, which I feel like a lot of those movies that you, you kind of meet them and they're they're weird weird looking guys and you're kind of like maybe, um, but really that was something we really wanted to do is like it felt like there was a plan and you know they're talking to Caitlin the whole movie she just can't understand what they're saying which was really fun but also just the idea of like you know even when they're talking Caitlin's like oh they're they're beyond me I'm screwed <laughs> um, and that being something that was scarier than. And we, I mean, look, we have a bunch of, you know, jump scary, you know, claws and, and roars and all that kind of stuff. But having an, a big element of it being like this alien is talking at me and is kind of bored with me and is more interested in these other things in the room because I'm such an insignificant thing to him. That was that was a really fun challenge to kind of convey like, yeah, they could have built a ship and come here and been like, OK, we're going to it's ours now. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that when it appears at the start and it's, you know, we're getting glimpses of it. It's petrifying. I mean, it really is that oh, relatable yeah. fear of find, finding a stranger in your house. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, and that sort of the, the, the moment where you sort of try and brush it off, you try and normalize it. You go, it's, it's, it's like, I, like, I think she thinks it's raccoons in the bin or something. And then that's mm-hmm. that moment where it ain't that it's, it is something, something's gone wrong. Have you did you tap into sort of any of your own fears about having your home invaded when it came to writing and directing that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always the um, anyone that lives anywhere. It's like, if, and it's it, it's funny. It's like um, it doesn't have to be even like a a sinister thing for it to be really like if I if I walked home and I found Tom Hanks just randomly in my living room. It would not be great. Like I love Tom Hanks, but I would also be very freaked out that someone was in my space without my permission. Yeah. Um. And so then you just make it worse when it's aliens. But I think that's always like the you know the the you know the uh fear. I mean, it could be you know a a rat or a spider or you know it can be anything where you're just like I did not sanction this, um, and now it's here. Um. And so yeah, I, especially as um a homeowner and now as a, as a parent too it's 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 doubly anxiety i'm i'm an, i'm anxious about everything <laughs> so yeah i mean i it just it got it it got me that story really got me because I, I live on my own and i've i've got a plan like if i ever sort of look yeah. down the corridor and i see someone i lock the door and i climb up the side wall i've got this whole i've literally worked out my escape plan and i was watching this going it's good it's good to have that plan that's a good plan to have. Yeah, and that was part of the fun with, you know, the for a while, Caitlin does just think it's an animal outside. And we we cut out a little scene at the start where in the morning, like there, her trash bins are dumped over and you see little raccoony type footprints. Um, but like her kind of like, oh, this again. And then she kind of almost walks directly into the, the problem. Um, and, and then her kind of thinking, okay, it's a person. And then ha- her quickly realizing it's a different problem kind of really does throw any of her, her gamesmanship for a, a loop where she's like, I don't, I'm so like baffled and confused on top of being terrified that I don't, my plans are all out the window. Um, and so that was a really fun thing about, you know, trying to make sure she felt really smart the whole time, but also believable in terms of like, sometimes things can happen where you're like, I would need five minutes to just gather myself and figure yeah. this out. But she doesn't, she doesn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as I said, fantastic. Caitlin Diva is brilliant. It's a, it's a great movie. It lands on Hulu in the US and Disney Plus here in the UK, September the 22nd. Uh, Brian, it's now time to leave this reality and enter the multiverse. We're heading for a dimension of pure film where our virtual cinema awaits. You are our guide. We are your audience. Let's go on a trip to the movies. So, 
we push open the doors to our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's an excited buzz as there always is in a cinema foyer, the hum of anticipation. It's your perfect cinema trip, Brian. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? I picked my wife. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. It would be, it went years without being able to go. To the, we just kind of started being able to go to the movies again because of COVID and then we have two kids. Um, and so that's been really nice to kind of go to the movies again. Cause we used to go all the time. Um, and then, and then we had our, our girl and then COVID hit and then we had our son and then it was just like, we were spinning out. And then, and then the last, uh, the last year we've been finally able to like sneak out for movies. So we're, we're getting back into the, the swing of things. Uh, do you, do you, uh, do you have similar tastes in film or is there ever an argument about what you're going to watch? She, she wouldn't go for necessarily some of the more actiony, uh, things, but even like she wasn't super into horror and has been getting into horror lately. Um, and, uh, but also she, she works in, in, she's a graphic designer and a producer, um, for, for movies as well. And so I think if it's something that's really well made, even if it's not her, her jam, she would get really excited um, about it. Like, like Spider-Verse was not something that was necessarily for her. Yeah. Uh, and she loved it. I mean, it's amazing too, but like, I think just the, the craft of it just really knocked her socks off. And you, you say she's starting to get into horror. Uh, is that your influence? Are you, are, are you encouraging that? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's 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 me. <laughs> so when you when you when you're bringing someone into the horror fold who doesn't necessarily like horror or hasn't hasn't got a lot of experience, do you start drip feeding them with easy horror, like gentle horror to begin with? Was it was there was there a, a novice level horror? And then character based stuff is is always the the hook. Like she got really into Carrie. Um, I think even when we were dating, like that was maybe the one that I was like, I think you'd really like Carrie. And then Carrie's a really good gateway drug into other things. Like, so she hasn't done Exorcist yet. I don't. I think she that one feels a little far for her. Um, uh, but she's done a bunch of others, and I think it's really starting to enjoy them. Yeah, Ugh, Carrie. It's it, a, one of. I think one of cinema's very few perfect films. Carrie, isn't it? It's just. Uh, it's just yeah. wonderful. Wonderful. I always feel bad that to say it's my favorite De Palma because he's made so many great things, but it is my favorite De Palma. <laughs> All right, then. It's yourself and your wife going to the cinema. Now, there's a clock on the wall in the foyer. It reads a specific time. What time of day are we going to the cinema? Probably 11 a.m. <laughs> we, got, we got a girl in preschool and our son has a nanny. And so it's like that's our, our sweet spot. And it's also been nice kind of still getting out of the, the COVID cobwebs that it's not super full. Um, and there's just something nice about like the theater down the road from our house that has a, a bar. So you can kind of get like a nice little midday cocktail and it's not too crowded. Like we did, we did Barbenheimer and it was overwhelming how many people, like I was, I was a little stressed out um, by the, by the crowds and, but it was super fun. But I think we would, we would figure out a uh, 11 AM kind of deal. Uh, I mean, uh, I've never seen anything like the Barbenheimer thing. It was just, it was really nice to experience that, you know, just to, I've, like, it's been so long since I've been in just an overflowing auditorium and everyone yeah. was just so thrilled to be part of this experience. Yeah, it was really neat. I think it's going to be like that for Taylor Swift here in a few weeks, but I'll I'll be hiding. <laughs> uh, right then, we're going at 11 a.m. You, your wife. Uh, I'm coming along as well, by the way, just to guide us uh, through this journey. More than mayor here. Thank you. So you booked the tickets for the trip, Brian. Where are we going to be sitting in the auditorium? I usually go like three quarters of the way back in the middle if I can. Not like super far to the, not like in the make out back rows. <laughs> um, but like I like a good, I like a good like three quarters back center. That's a solid choice. One of the most popular seats uh, that gets picked, and yeah, I've, I've people still make out in cinemas. I don't know. I don't think I ever I don't did. Think so yeah, I've, it's been a while since I've I've noticed it. Although, also, my other answer would be my wife. Sometimes there's a in the, if it's a tiered cinema, sometimes they have like those uh, bars, um, kind of separating some of the tiers. And my wife really likes sitting at the bar so she can put her feet on them. <laughs> I respect that. That's 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 yeah. taking that's taking cinema comfort to the next level. And also, 
I love those cinemas because I have to sit on the aisle because I, I can't walk past people. I just hate walking past people to use the restrooms. Yeah. And when you sit at the bar, you just slide right under. Slide right under. You exactly. get a middle seat. Yep. But it's like an aisle. Perfect. Yep. Right then. The last thing we need, Brian, before we leave the foyer. Oh, the air is full of wonderful smells. All manner of snacks and foodstuffs are available at the various counters. What are you choosing to eat? Uh, my go-to is usually just because I'll I'll use the AMC Burbank near our house. Is they they have a, a bar called McGuffins, um, where I would go and get a margarita and Sour Patch Kids. Oh, oh that's a lot of sour. <laughs> that's a lot of sour in there one order. <laughs> And then my wife usually gets popcorn that I, I pick at too, but I'm more of a I'm more of a a, a savory sour guy. Okay, so uh, margarita. I I'm asking because I'm a huge margarita fan. I'm a margarita drinker myself. I don't know. I sometimes get funny looks. I don't know if it's. I think some people connoisseurs of cocktails don't rate the margarita as something like people go oh, Negroni or you know something something I right. guess classier maybe but anyway i love a margarita how do you take it on the rocks with salt around the rim or in a margarita glass no no on the rocks with salt especially because that's it's a good uh movie cocktail like i don't want like an old-fashioned mm-hmm. in a movie um it you know i don't want like a, a a real gentleman's drink uh that you kind of sip and savor um like you know i want to i want to wash down the popcorn <laughs> so yeah. that would be my my go-to yeah yeah and uh it's a, it's a nice pick me up as well. That tequila. Oh, you're into the movie yeah. then. Yeah. It's yeah. I never bothered to check this. I swear someone once told me that Mar that um tequila <laughs> this is this is this is probably one of those lies that people who drink a lot of tequila say. Tequila is the only alcohol that is a stimulant, not a depressant, which I don't think is scientifically possible. I'll I'll go with it though. Yeah. I mean it's, it, has, <laughs> it has that placebo effect where you're like, I am buzzing. Yeah, especially in LA. You know, we have so many Mexican restaurants with so many amazing margaritas and, and mezcals. And so it's, it's, it's fun to, to go with that. Especially if you go like to like the, the New Beverly, because that's across from um, El Coyote. So you can get margaritas there and then go to the New Bev. It's, yeah. So it's that... This is this is my geography of LA. Uh, so, be- is that near the Beverly Center? Kind, kind of. Yeah, it's right. not. Um, I mean, everything's kind of far from everything here. Oh my but, god! Um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like LA. I mean, yeah. I, I I like it as a city. I do, but the amount of time I spend in Ubers there is obscene. You know, it comes with the you win some, you lose some. There's a great hot dog stand near the Beverly Center, isn't there? Taylor the Pup, is it called? A really old one that looks like an actual hot dog. I don't know, Taylor the Pup. Or is it? Is it called? Maybe called <laughs> or maybe I made that up. Is it called Pink's? Oh, anyway. Oh, Pink's for sure. Yeah, Pink's is there. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Not Taylor yeah. the Pup. Don't know where that came from. Pink's. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was like, I've never heard of, of this. It's Yeah. Okay. So Margarita and Sour Patch Kids, uh, your wife's going to have some popcorn at... So no pizza, no hot dogs. You can get anything at a cinema now. No nachos, no nothing like that. I like keeping it pretty simple. I'm not even if I'm, I'm not like even the biggest food or drink guy at the movies. Like I would only do it if I'm if it's like a date with my wife. Uh, but if I will go by myself, I rarely I rarely get anything. Yeah, just so I'm, I'm more. Pizza. Yeah, like I, I hate the. Uh, I know it's sacrilegious, but like I hate the. Uh, the Alamos here where you have like the little, you can like, they have waiters come to you and bring me food during the movies. Like I, I hate it. People love it, but I, I want to focus. It's, 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 it's happening over here as well. And people, you know, people champion it and they're like, this is fantastic. I can order at my seat. I'm like, yeah, but I'm sitting in the cinema as well. This isn't a restaurant. And I know it's such a, and I just don't want to like fork and knife and all that. Yeah. Not, not, not my jam. <laughs> All right, then. We've got everything we need. Let's leave the foyer. We push open the door to the corridor down towards the auditorium. Now, the corridor's looking a little bare at the moment, so I'm going to put up posters along the wall to illustrate some of your most important movie memories. And the first poster we're going to put up depicts your fondest movie memory. It was Jurassic Park in 93, for sure. Yeah. So you saw yeah. it. And its initial release, 1993. Yeah, I was seven, and I had been. I was a big dinosaur kid 
And I was begging and begging and begging and begging. And then my dad surprised me uh, and, and took me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's everything that that movie is. Like, it just over delivers. <laughs> and so, and it, like afterwards, I just came out a new man. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you know much about it? I, I think I was, I, honestly, I mean, you know, I was a kid as well. Dinosaurs, I'm sold already. But I was like, I had like notebooks with the logo on. I had so much merch. Oh, yeah. I had all that shit still. And it was, um for me, it was like, that was kind of when, that was also the connection of someone made this. Like, I, I don't think I had thought about that before. Because I, I got like the making of book. And then, you know, you had all the storyboards and interviews and uh, building the sets. And it was just like, oh, this is, this is cool. Like, that's a job. Um, and so here, here I am. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a movie to have watched as a kid. I mean, I, you know, when yeah. I sort of try and think about it sitting in that cinema and I, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people that T-Rex scene is just, yeah, just like terrifying as well as a kid. Like it was scary, but it was like, it was this dinosaur that you've been fascinated by and seen pictures of in books was literally in front of you on the screen. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's really a magical thing. Yeah, great. We'll put up a poster for Jurassic Park as your fondest movie memory. Okay, the second poster, Brian, depicts your worst movie memory. I put up a poster for that? Mm, yeah, I'm afraid so. I mean, we can... Yeah. We can put a big red line through it, or we when we leave the cinema later, we can tear oh, it down. Sure. Right now, I'm, I've got to decorate this corridor. <laughs> well, I don't want to say what the movie was, but my worst movie memory was, uh, and I don't want to be negative about like, oh, I saw a movie and it was really shitty um, or disappointing because I try to I try to live a an optimistic life. But a real bummer that we had. I remember was uh, my wife as a graphic designer worked on one of the biggest movies ever made. Um, and we went to go see it and it was great. And then we sat, you know, as, as we do through the credits to see her name and they forgot her name. And it was a uh, heartbreaking because she had worked on it for months and months and months. Um, and it was like one of those heartbreaking like moments where you, the department goes by and then, she wasn't there and you know, and it, it was like a, such a, a bummer. Um, so that was, I'm always like, that was like the worst where you're like, you work so hard and then you see this thing that you work so hard on and it's at the whole world loves it. And then, you know, uh, your, your name fell through the cracks. It was such a, a bummer. Wouldn't put the poster up, but I understand the purposes. <laughs> uh, that 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 absolutely sucks. Uh, why? Yeah. Did, did you did you, did was it just a, 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 a an omission? I mean, there was just like twenty thousand people that worked on that movie, <laughs> and so I think it was just. Um, I think there were a couple other names that just got forgotten, and then since then I, I've met a bunch of below the line crew that you know sometimes it doesn't make it, and it's such a heartbreaking um, thing. Or they don't their name will be uh, spelled wrong, and that's such a, a shitty thing. Yeah, but I don't think it's nefarious, or I don't think anyone's being an asshole. I think it's just one of those, you know, one of those things. Well, it's literally the least I can do. But why don't we put the poster up and actually include your wife's <laughs> name? <for you? laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna do that. We'll put the poster up and put your name, your wife's name, in big letters, so everyone who walks down this corridor afterwards can see. Right then, the third poster, Brian depicts the last performance that brought you to tears. I don't, I'm trying to, what did I, what did I write down? I'm trying to remember if I have cried. I don't think I have ever cried in a movie. Um, and I think my wife is always annoyed because she's seen me cry once. And it was when I was really drunk and my brother gave a speech at my wedding. Um, so I'm not a, I'm not a crier. Uh, I'm trying to think. That's, that's, yeah, I mean. I don't if, think it's. It's fine. If you've, I mean. You've, I, I, I'm amazed because obviously you're a very film literate person. So you have seen, you know, you've seen, you've seen ET. Yeah, I'm just very emotionally stunted. Right. <laughs> so, um. Uh. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like when I. I think honestly, compared to me, I, I think the way round you do it is probably healthier. Crying at real world stuff and not at films because I don't. But cry. I, I don't do that. I'm just not a. 
I'm not a crier. Like I'm more like even when I'm emotional, like happy. Like when like my kids were born, I didn't cry. I was just like, this is great. Uh, I just kind of go the opposite direction. <laughs> so, um, uh, and I've been I've been blessed that I haven't had big tragedies in, in our in our on our life. Knock on wood. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm just not a big I, I'm not a big uh, tear guy. Unfortunately, I would love to be. Um, my wife would love it if I was. Um, okay, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think of a movie like something that I, I like. The, the car- have you? Okay, have you ever seen the British animated movie Watership Down about the rabbits? Oh sure, yes. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't cry at that when bright eyes burning in the night. No, like I, like I just go. Straight to like this is really fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like same with like Grave of the Fireflies or something like that, where like I know it's extremely emotional, and I like go so far past that where I'm just like, holy shit! Like this is what we're doing. <laughs> so, um, uh, but um, yeah, I'm such a I'm such a bummer. I was trying to think of like when I got really hey, I'm so happy. misty even. And sometimes it's like I'll get like if it's something that's just so uh, cinematic, I won't cry, but I'll just be like like Spider Verse. We'll, we'll just go to Spider Verse where you're like just watching it, and I'm just like this is like it's you almost get emotional. I mean, it's a really emotional movie, but just the craft and the the new way of of just how they um, just did that movie. It's still like I know those guys, and I'm still just baffled <laughs> by it. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I I I understand where you're coming from. I get I well up. I mean, I do cry a, a lot more than you, but I I well up at, at, at just exquisite, beautifully choreographed action sequences. Like it just like I I give out a little, yeah. and then I can feel myself going. But listen, I'm going to put up a poster then for of uh, your brother giving a speech at your wedding. Uh, as the, <laughs> because the question we is, what's up, the, we can put up uh, Spider Verse Part One. Or like whatever the new one was. That was the one where I was like, well, in the movie theater, I didn't cry, but I felt like my whole face just kind of melting in a in a delightful way. All right, brilliant. Is it across? I can't remember which word it is. But I'm going to say we'll put Spider Verse. It's the it's the one that came out in 23. The, yeah. the new one. Uh, that was the one. The last time I was really just just knocked knocked out. Perfect. That is our penultimate poster and the final poster. Brian depicts your unpopular movie opinion. I love a ton, but I think I'll go with I love the Matrix Resurrections, um, the the one that came out during COVID. Um, I'm a really big fan. I, I felt like I love the Matrix so much, and then the sequels I had mixed to negative feelings on, um, especially uh, Revolutions and its handling of, of Trinity. Um, and Resurrections, I, I just, I'm a big Wachowski head too. Um, but it was, I felt like it made the sequels better. Um, and, and I just loved the, the balls of, of that, um, movie and just the style of the movie, like just everything about it. I was just like, this is really like, this is basically a, a, a kamikaze effort, what they're doing, but it was really beautiful and satisfying. And all in service of a, a, a like a really deeply, what felt like a really deeply personal um, way she was engaging with fandom and her legacy, and um, being a trans uh, filmmaker. I, I was just really, I was like, I'm never going to see something like this again. <laughs> and so that was that was something that I I know it's not um, it's not like the others. At all, in a lot of ways, but just the the nuttiness of oh, we have to keep reviving these old IP kind of thing. And someone actually was like, "Here's a lot of money to go do it," and and then she went and did exactly what she wanted to do. Everyone else be damned. I was I was really inspired and just delighted by. Okay, I mean, I, that, that's my. That's it, 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 it's, it's certainly unpopular because I I I don't think every, I don't I think you're in in the minority. Because I think a lot of people really struggled with resurrection. So just to, just to yeah. go go back to revolutions. Now I agree. That's that's a 
that that's that's, that's the worst of the original three by uh, mm-hmm. by country mile. Why 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 did you say you didn't like it? Oh, I was. I mean, I I, I I mean, it's not spoiler to talk about now, but you know, Reloaded I think has its problems, but the, the action is so stunning in in Reloaded. But so much of that movie is about Neo saving Trinity, um, and that in Revolutions it feels like she's kind of an afterthought for a lot of the movie, and then she dies in a really unsatisfying um, way that I felt like kind of made um, Reloaded worse, um, and uh, and so and I, I was I love Trinity, and I love I love that relationship. And so resurrection is kind of doing a whole, you know, retro, um, actively changing that a little bit. Um, but then also a movie that's really, you know, my favorite scene in the, in resurrections is like the, when they're at the coffee shop talking. Um, and just, I was like, Oh, this is really cool that it's like, <laughs> this movie is way more interested in these, these two, uh, people talking than in action scenes. Um, Again, definitely no, it's, that's not for everybody. But as a fan, like going back to Revolutions, I still don't think it's, um, it would never be my favorite. of. It would always be my, my fourth favorite of, of the four. But at least now I'm, I'm not annoyed by the Trinity death. Um, I'm kind of like, well, I know now, like I know what happens next. And it's, it's quite emotional and, and, and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. I can see why you liked it. I think it's. I think it was the action that a lot of people were disappointed in because I think a lot of people, a, yeah. a lot of the Matrix fans were like, it was. You know, it was about this the spectacle, and obviously, uh, Resurrections chooses to simply not yeah. deliver. And that's also, yeah, it's all. That's one of the things that's so interesting. It really does not try mm. to to do uh, that, and like that is such a bold and nutty choice. And I don't think it's a perfect movie by any any means i think it would have been i i missed i and i think the actors that they cast to replace some of the ogs are, are really i think yaya and groff are, are great but it that movie would have been so much more impactful with lawrence and and especially with weaving um too that it was uh but also that even that element of it just makes it feel so strange and unusual and you know they made it during covid and john toll shot for like a week and then couldn't shoot anymore because of COVID. And so it's like, it's like not, it's like crew members are shooting the movie. Like it's something that's really uh, interesting and cool and unique. And, and uh, just, I cannot like, I'm sure it was just like, Oh, like they said Keanu would come back for her. Uh, and then they were like, Warner brothers was like, great, here's the money. And then they <laughs> were just given this other insane, insane thing. Um, you know, it, it's such a, uh, you know, I think it's not like it's not a, it's exactly what they've set out to do, which I think is what's so funny and interesting. Like they weren't trying to make the Matrix. They were trying to make this whole other thing. Yeah. Uh, and that is really uh, I, I it'll, it'll never happen again. And that was and probably never really happened before that. And so that's partially why that's, you know, I and I revisit a lot because I feel like emotionally I am really moved by that by that movie. I don't cry, but <laughs> I uh, I'm really I'm really invested in, in Neo and Trinity in that movie. I love it. Our final poster then for your unpopular movie opinion is that you love The Matrix Resurrections. And we've arrived at the last set of doors into the auditorium. We push them open. Now, there is a queue of people, Brian, hoping to join you, your, uh, yourself and your wife in the cinema. Do you want to let them in? Do you want a busy cinema? Do you want to let just some of them in or do you want none of them in? Uh, I'll let in a third of them. A third. Okay. Well, that third... Go wild. They pour into the auditorium. Now, before the movie begins that you picked for us to watch this 11 a.m. on this day, uh, we're going to play a few other things on the screen first. And the first thing we're going to play is the trailer for the movie that you're most looking forward to seeing at the cinema. Oh, Poor Things. For sure. I'm, I'm extremely excited to see Poor Things. It looks like a movie that was made just for my warped brain. Um, and then that was, that was when the first trailer, and I, I've always really liked Yorgos, but he's never been like my number one guy. Um, and when that first trailer dropped, I was just like, this is everything I, I want to see in a movie. And then all the reviews dropped and it was, you know, a new modern classic. And I've just, I gotta get my hands on this thing. Yeah. Absolutely poor thing. Yeah. It's like poor things. And then like 
miles and then any, anything else <laughs> okay so uh, 100% poor things yeah I don't know much about it because I don't think I want to I've seen a couple of still yeah same I just know everyone thinks it's incredible and it looks incredible and I'm like eh, you know great done perfect we're playing the trailer for poor things now next on the big screen we are going to play the movie moment that makes you literally or metaphorically pump your fist in the air uh, I'll go with the one I could think of most recently is Creed. Um, I think in Creed when, um, in the final fight and Stallone tells, uh, Creed to go kick his ass and then the Rocky theme drops and he stands up. I think that for me, I remember being in that theater, it was like around Thanksgiving here in the States and the movie's amazing. But when that moment happened, I just remember the audience just losing their minds and i think it's one of the best uses of a of a theme ever um and like the way they hold off on using it and like when that happened like there were people just like standing up just like we're, we're all gonna kick this guy's ass it was really um it was really that was really cool <laughs> so uh, that was the one most recently i can think of just people like, yeah, like i know like endgame had like the the thing at the end and everyone uh, but like for me like uh, i like because you weren't really expecting it um, and you kind of forgot that there was a Rocky theme. And um, and then when it happened, it was just like it just got everybody just through the roof. Um, so that, that was for me the most. I, it's been a while since that movie came out, but that was the last time I just remember people like grabbing the person next to them and just <laughs> like, here we go. We're going to go kick ass. <laughs> it's what I, I, I love. That's why I love watching movies in, in the U.S. Because here in the U.K., we're much more reserved in the cinema. People sort of sit and right. polite, politely, quietly watch the movie. But in the U.S., just like people have dialogue with the screen sometimes. Sometimes too much. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, that, especially like that was like, a, like people were like talking to each other like after that moment. And it was so, just everyone was just like, like, we're here. Like, we're doing it together. Like, it was really, it's a really magical moment um and it was just really really fun yeah i love it great we're playing at the moment that the rocky theme kicks in in creed so next we're going to play what you consider cinema's most shocking moment i couldn't think of like what i can only think i was thinking about when i was in the movie theater for something that shocked me and i went with uh DiCaprio getting shot in the head in the departed Mm. um because I remember being in the movie theater in, in Philadelphia, and it was really full. And I love The Departed. The movie's great. And um, uh, no one saw that coming. And I just remember everyone just leaping, like just the audience. Just, and Philadelphia is a very vocal city um, when you go to the movies. It's very – like people are – they let you know if it's good and they let you know if it's bad. And that was just a moment that like people were just couldn't believe it happened and were so stunned and like upset because they loved Leo. And then everything, people just keep getting shot. <laughs> it was just like, I just remember people being like up and all, like, just like, just really freaking out and like, is this really happening? Like, what is he dead? Like, is he really dead? Um, and that for me was like the one, like I didn't see it coming. I hadn't seen, uh, I still haven't seen, um, criminal affairs, but, um, I just, uh, that was the one, I, like being in the movie theater that ever, I just remember like the whole place just like got rocked by something that surprised them. So I'll, I'll go with the departed. Great call. I think I, if I remember it rightly, there's a, a nice little bit of misdirection beforehand because I think Matt Damon starts crying and he's like, he's like, he starts asking DiCaprio to kill him. Yes. And DiCaprio is like, I am killing you. And then the elevator door opens and DiCaprio gets knocked out yeah <laughs> That's it. great stuff right we're playing leo's death in the departed uh, next up we're going to play the line of dialogue from a movie that most affected you i'll go with unforgiven and deserves got nothing to do with it because i used it in my last movie and i attributed it to unforgiven and, and but i was trying to think of what that was and so i was like well i've I've attributed this line more than anything else in my career, so I might as well go all in and use Unforgiven. Wait, so <laughs> when did you when did you use it? Which movie of yours did you put it in? I used it in my movie Spontaneous. Um, uh, but also, I just I I love Unforgiven, and I love that uh, almost very Cormac McCarthy feel of it. Um, 
and I, that's a line. I mean, it's a very Cormac McCarthy line, um, too. It's kind of in that it ain't all waiting on you camp. But um, that was a line that I was just kind of like, oh, that's a life line to remember your life doesn't, you know, sometimes these, uh, you do everything right. It doesn't really matter. And that's just part of the, the bargain of, of being alive. Um, so it's a little bleak, but I, I find a little comfort in it that it's not, uh, uh, I can't, uh, score my way out of, you know, the curveballs. So the line is deserves got nothing to do with it. Love it. Love it. That's great. Um, I have a printing press in the corner of the cinema. Do you want me to print up some T-shirts for you and the guests with Deserves Got Nothing to Do With It on the co- on the front there? Sure. Right, so. <laughs> I love it, yeah. We'll hand those out. All right, one final question before we get to the movie you've picked for us tonight, and that is, what is the best use of music in a movie? Oh, uh, I'll go with Under the Skin, um, which I, I, I've been talking about a lot because of my aliens, but... I think that movie was the last time I felt like a score just instantly became like a top 10 score for me. And it, uh, I think it's just a really sinister, interesting use of music. It just instantly kind of just gets you into this weird alien brain mindset. I've got, like, if I'm driving around LA at night, I love playing the score because it just feels like, um, I'm on the prowl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. That for me was when I I heard the question. That was the first thing that popped into my into my head in a way that I wanted to avoid using John Williams. Um, but I was like, oh, that that score for me is the one where I was just like, just totally transfixed by. It. And then I, I saw in L.A. that Mika did a string quartet live to a uh, picture, and that was also just a transcendent um experience because i like going to the orchestra like where the la has like orchestras that do movies to picture sometimes and that's really fun but doing the uh string quartet felt like it wasn't didn't quite sound like the movie and it was raw and it made it even more powerful and interesting so that was when i hear the question that was the first thing that popped into my head so i'm trying to go with my gut reactions what a great choice and what what a what a movie that's that's one hell oh, of a yeah. movie i mean like you yeah know, it uh, no pun intended but it does get under your skin the the it's it's a, yeah the the imagery the the, the guys where they're dissolving and the mm. thing and oh it's, uh, it's incredible doesn't get better than glazer yeah mm. I'm yeah. very excited for his movie too, but it's. I just know it'll be less enjoyable than Poor Things because it's going to fuck me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like as uh, of interest, I'm like a movie about the banality of evil. Um, it's going to be a masterpiece, but I'm I'm not going to feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, my only, I, this is this. I should probably shouldn't say this because Jonathan Glazer, like you say, freaking genius. Um, I just wish at the end of Under the Skin, it sort of. It'd gone back to the start. You know where you see the guy in the van, um, like uh, he's like loading up, like the the sort yeah. of the previous alien. I'd have liked to have seen it sort of go back to that and just show that it was this constant conveyor belt and a new girl arrive and show yeah. um, Scarlett Johansson's character to be put in the van. But what do I know? What do I know? <laughs> uh, right? Yeah, I know. I, I, I might cut that bit out. Is Alex telling Jonathan Glazer how to make a fucking movie? <laughs> That's what's fun about going to the movies. <laughs> uh, right then. Brian, here we are. It is time to announce to your wife and this excited one-third of the audience who are queuing up outside <laughs> in this auditorium, the movie you have picked out of all others to screen for us tonight. What are we watching? I picked Steven Spielberg's West Side Story for a really specific reason which is that I didn't see it in theaters because it came out in peak COVID um, and I had my, my, my infants. Um, and it's always been a regret because I feel like I've seen every Spielberg movie in theaters since I don't remember when. And then I saw it at home and I was just like blown away by, by, by the movie, but also knowing this would be so much better in a movie theater. And then hoping that at some point, and assuming at some point it would uh, return to uh, at least a, um, a theater uh, in L.A. at some point. But they keep 
doing Tenet as like their big COVID return uh, movie, and they like, every time a theater here shows Tenet, I get pissed off because it's not West Side Story. <laughs> so I want to see I want to see the master do his musical um, in a theater, and I I don't care about Tenet. <laughs> so. <laughs> I like Tenet, but I'm just kind of like, I feel like the last like year it's shown like three or four times and I'm always just like, give it a rest. Like, come on. I want, I want, what's that story? That's the one I didn't see in theaters. Um, uh, and so that, that was, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to get the full Spielberg in theaters because I didn't get a chance to, because the world was ending. Um, so that's why West Side Story was the first thing that popped into my head. And when you did watch it on the small screen, did you did you enjoy it? You love that movie. Oh, right? I loved it. I loved it. But it was I loved it, and I thought it was so stunning. Um, and the filmmaking is just, you know, uh, like it's what he can do is. I just feel like they give him like a different camera than they give the rest of us. Like <laughs> he, it just feels like such a, a miracle. Like every every shot, you're like that is the perfect expression of filmmaking but it, it just keeps happening especially in that movie where he just really like there's an amazing shot of ansel singing uh maria and like a, the puddle that the, the booms down to the puddle and there's all the reflections of the windows in the puddles so it looks like he's in the middle of like stars and you're just like the fuck thinks of that <laughs> like it's real i think it's so um like there's i get a really annoyed because i feel like there's a lot of movies that people think are amazingly made and they are but they're also like 200 million dollar movies so there's no excuse um, but then there's movies like West Side Story that I'm sure was over a hundred million or whatever, but you're like, oh, but like, it's, you, it's not just some dude who gets a hundred million dollar movie and, and make like, this is, you know, this is a king at work. It's, it's really, uh, something. So that was, I love the movie, uh, revisited it a, a bunch at home, but it's just not, I, you know, that's a movie that I, I wanted to see big and it's meant to be seen big. And I, I was Scared of dying. So I didn't. <laughs> uh, well, the petition starts here then. Let's get Spielberg's West Side Story in a cinema in LA for Brian. And that there we go. is it. The curtains have closed. We did it. Guests are milling out, smiling, chatting, and thanking you for taking them on an incredible night out of the movies. But before you go, it's time for this week's mystery question as we ask, what's in the box? I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? Uh, so I've got a box here. Okay, great. This is your mystery question. Having just written and directed an alien home invasion movie, No One Will Save You, Brian, do you think aliens exist and have they visited us here on Earth? Uh, I will say I assume that they must exist uh, because the universe is infinite and it would be a bummer if we were as good as it gets. Um <laughs> But I'll also throw the curveball that I don't think they've been here yet. Okay. Not at all. They don't yeah. walk among us. They haven't even visited in a spacecraft. I'll go with, yeah, I know it's the governments are trying to convince me otherwise every day. Uh, but I'll go with that uh, aliens exist, have not reached these shores as of yet. Okay. I remember when the X-Files first aired. Uh, I, I, there was Same. a conversation going around, going, "They're doing this because they're about to tell us that aliens exist, and this is the." I get that. I get that. All the, there's there's a whole TikTok thread where there's like a conspiracy theory about like September twenty second is when the governments are announcing shit, and the movie is like made to ease us in, and I'm like, that would be baller, uh, <laughs> but it's not. I don't. I don't think it's true. <laughs> Oh my I, I've God. been getting a bunch of. I get that. I get a bunch of like this is prepping us for the rapture, and I was like, "There's no." As a uh, as a as a kid who grew up very conservative, there's no correlation between aliens and the in the rapture. But the internet's a strange place, man. Oh man, that's I didn't realize you were getting it as well. That's crazy. So people... yeah, I've been getting it a ton. Yeah, oh, oh, but also just because you know we had like the Mexican mummy babies a couple of days ago. Like it's just the government, and then NASA had their document that came out yesterday. So it's 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 everywhere, and it's it's nice because my actor can't promote the movie, but the government can apparently. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, Brian, that's it. Your taxi's arrived to ferry you back to reality. But before you go, let's recap your perfect night out at the movies. You are going with 
your wife during the day, specifically at 11 a.m. You're sitting in the center three quarters of the way back. But if the bar is in the cinema where your wife can put her legs up, you're sitting there instead. You are having a delicious margarita on the rocks, salt on the rim and some Sour Patch Kids. Your wife may have some popcorn. And if she does, you will have some as well. We're putting up posters as we walk down the corridor. The first poster is your fondest movie memory, and that was watching Jurassic Park age seven. The second poster is your worst movie memory, where some idiots forgot your knife, wife's name in the credits of a movie she worked on. The third poster is the last performance that brought you to tears. After some consideration, we're going with not tears, but slightly misty eyes and the Spider-Verse sequel that came out this year. Your unpopular movie opinion is that the Matrix Resurrections rules. We're playing the trailer for Poor Things. We are then playing the movie moment that makes you pump your fist in the air, which is when the Rocky theme kicks in in Creed. The most shocking moment in cinema for you is Leo being shot in The Departed. The line or piece of dialogue that most affected you deserves got nothing to do with it. From Unforgiven, the best use of music is in Under the Skin. And finally, we are screening Spielberg's West Side Story so you can finally see it on a big screen. Brian, thank you for taking us on a trip to the movies. Have you had a good time? I, I think I'm very proud of the, that uh, that selection. I think that's a good that's a good night out. Or a good morning out in my instance. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heck of a night out. Uh, Brian, once again, go. congratulations on No One Will Save You. Hitting screens thank on you, September man. the 22nd. Awesome film. Lovely to speak to you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. And as Brian's cab carries him away from our virtual cinema, off into the distance, we must all leave his movie paradise and return to reality. But to soften the blow, how would you like a pair of tickets for a night out at a very real Odeon cinema? Each week, we give away a pair to someone who leaves us a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. It is that simple. So jump on there, leave us a review, and if I read it out, we will send you some tickets. The competition is only open to UK residents, and the tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, do not forget, you can find the full video for today's Brian Duffield interview, and indeed, for every guest on our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel, so please head over there, and as I said, help us grow the pod by hitting that subscribe button. Thank you very, very much. And that really is it. I'll be back next week when another guest fills our cinema with their celluloid dreams as they take us on a trip to the movies. Bye-bye.